Hey, what's going on, everybody? My name is Chuck Anderson, and this is the Life and Limb podcast. This is episode two of the show. Thanks for checking it out. Thanks for following along. Really means a lot to me. Um, here in the early stages, uh, stages of this whole project, this whole thing um, has been some of the most fun I've had doing doing a you know a personal project in a really long time. Being able to pretty much just sit and talk with cool people uh, for uh, uh, you know an hour or so, and then know that I can put that out there and have other people listen and, and hopefully get something out of it and be entertained and and whatever uh just it's an awesome it's an awesome thing it's a it's a really fun fun thing and and the response has been great and i'm just been really enjoying doing it so um today i am joined by a photographer artist and uh self-described storyteller and he is a good storyteller uh paul octavius paul is uh you know one of those guys whose work you have probably seen before somewhere if you use instagram that's for sure paul has racked up uh almost half a million followers on instagram which has led to all sorts of awesome doors to open in his life and and we get to talking about some of those things and uh, some of his personal projects and his family and how that stuff all kind of ties into what he does day in and day out uh, Paul is uh, a fellow Chicago guy here. Uh, Paul and I live about like five minutes away from each other. I I, I uh, could probably just walk over to his place and be there in, in a matter of minutes. Um, and I would have loved to do this interview live. Unfortunately, I'm not set up to do live interviews yet. So uh, everything's kind of recorded uh, online so far. Um, so uh, I kind of, you know, Paul and I were, were together in spirit, I suppose, uh, close enough. So it counts, I guess. Um, but I uh, really enjoy talking with Paul. He's a he's a really great guy, and I think you're going to enjoy this interview. So anyways, without further ado, my conversation with Paul Octavius here on Life and Limb. Please enjoy. Today I am joined by photographer, Chicagoan, and all-around great guy, Paul Octavius. Paul, how are you doing, man? Hi, good. How are you, man? Doing great. Doing really well. Um, so it's Sunday night here, and uh, it's Sunday, December eighth, and uh, it's snowing, and um, it's just beautiful out here in Chicago. Uh, I know. How are you? How are you enjoying it? Because I know this is like your first snow, first snow back here in Chicago because you just moved here. So how are you enjoying it? <laughs> I'm enjoying it great. <laughs> I grew up in the Chicago suburbs, so I always experienced this kind of winter activity in in the suburbs which was fine but it's not you know it's not the same and i was in grand rapids michigan the last few years and that's obviously great but it's no it's just i mean you can't beat chicago in the winter no. like this it's just beautiful and your neighborhood that you moved to is so it's just so <laughs> i want to say it's so neighborhoody and so pretty it in is the summer so in the winter i know it's beautiful yeah yep um, i'm in andersonville paul's not far from me Um, we're both up here on the North side of Chicago. Um, and actually that's kind of where I want to start this whole conversation with you, because I think that Chicago plays such a huge role in, um, not only your, your life, but in your work and just your, I mean, just every day, um, what you go about doing all the time. Um, so yeah, I mean, how, how, how does Chicago play into just every day and why do you, um, you know, what keeps you here as opposed to all the places that you, have visited, I know, besides just the friends that you have here, what is it about Chicago that's so um, wonderful? For, for the most part, I mean, I moved here because I worked for um, Threadless. Uh, Threadless hired me to be their photographer back in 2006. Um, so uh, when uh, after leaving Threadless, I just, I just stayed here because, one, I didn't want to go back home because <laughs> it was right out of college. Right. Um, and home was in? Uh, home is Connecticut. Connecticut, uh, Connecticut. yeah. Connecticut. Though I love my parents, but I didn't want to move back home. And um, yeah, it was my first time moving to a city or living in a city because you know, I lived in the suburbs of Connecticut. So um, even though we lived, I lived, I always thought I was going to move to New York um, just because East Coast Connecticut is so close to New York and I would always visit there. So I was really surprised when um, I moved to Chicago uh, and I loved it. I just fell in love. Um, and the only reason I'm in the neighborhood, I live in Uptown. Uh, the only reason I live in this neighborhood is because Threadless was like a walk away. Right. So it kind of, uh, it, I guess it kind of formed where I would live because if Threadless was somewhere else, I would have probably moved that, to that part of Chicago. Right. Um, so you're kind of there by default now. 
Yeah, I kind of hear it by the fall. And I mean, it's, I'm so glad I'm here by the fall because um, I'm near the lake. Uh, I'm near the hill that I've documented for right. like six years. Cricket Hill, right? Yep. Cricket Hill. You know, it's funny. I never, um, uh, up until, I didn't know the name. I was documenting the, a hill. So I'll tell people, there's a, there's a hill in Chicago um, that I discovered one winter. Um, so this weather is really appropriate because uh, was, it was snowing and I went to the lake and um, I discovered the hill. And it was it's an awesome hill. It's like... It's like the hill you would draw as a kid. You know, it's just perfect, a perfect curve of a of a hill. Right. And um, uh, with nothing in back of it, because in back of it, it's Lake Michigan. So you can't, it's just all sky. Right. Um, so uh, I discovered a hill and kids were sliding on it. And I documented it one day. And then it was, it was always on my walk um, when I walked to the beach. Um, so... Over the course of time, I just would always document it, mm-hmm. and uh, throughout the seasons, and it just became a project of mine. Um, so uh, yeah, so I fell in love with that that hill, so I could never move. Yeah, um, and so that's just, since become kind of a muse of yours, that hill, and just the happenings and the goings on on that hill, right? Totally, totally, just random moments on the hill, whether it was flooding in the winter, and then uh, kite festivals in the spring. Um, or just like that one random person sunbathing in the summer, just laying on the hills. So, uh, yeah, it's became, um, it's became a huge part of my work. And it's just because I moved to this part of Chicago. What's the weirdest thing uh, you've ever seen over on that hill? I, I almost don't know if I want to know the answer, but at the same time, I'm, I, I really do. <laughs> weirdest thing. You know, it was funny. There was one day where I was like, you know what? I'm a photographer, but I need to like, you know, step from you know, be behind my camera and just enjoy life, you know? So I was like, I'm not going to bring my camera, whatever. I'm just going to keep it home and go for a walk. And I went for a walk and I got to the hill that day and it was just a police car sitting on top of the hill. And I was just so angry because it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen happen on that hill. There's not, usually there's just people walking. There was a police car on the hill, like a parked? car just parked on the hill. And I was so sad. Because it was like you were never leaving your computer. You were never leaving your camera home again. Yeah, always bringing that with you. That sounds like a movie set. It was horrible, and that was the time. Like I think the iPhone was out, or I didn't have one. I forget what happened, but and you didn't um, even have your phone on you. No, I didn't even have my phone. Anything. It was horrible. Well, that's why you also are you know pretty good at Photoshop too, right? You can always recreate that image (laughs) in your head, I suppose. (laughs) But that's the thing, Sue. Like my next series is all about. creating things that I've always wanted to happen on a hill, mm. but I can know, you know, there's like all, all the moments I've, I've captured so far, are just random moments. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't, I don't create anything for those photos. So sure. now I just want to create things, uh, <laughs> random, random, awesome things that I want to see happen. Have you ever been over uh, there or anywhere in Chicago taking pictures kind of just of the cityscape or nature or whatever and had anybody approach you and kind of get in the way of it and then you ended up, you know, interacting with them or had it like kind of affect what it was you were there to do? Because I know when I'm out taking pictures that I'm always, I wish I wasn't, but I'm always a little bit self-conscious of the people that are around me um, and I, it gets in my head a little bit. Does that affect you at all? No, it doesn't really affect me. You know, it's it's always um it's always fun to uh, talk to the people. Like people usually, they say, "Hey, what are you doing?" Like, uh, and then I say, "Oh, I've, you know, I've been documenting this hill for six years," which is always really funny to, and weird to say, "Like I've been documenting this hill." Yeah. Um, and uh, there was one guy last New Year. It was New Year's Day. Um, he was flying like model planes. Um, on the hill and I was like oh it's awesome like I never saw this and, and I started talking to him he's like yeah I'm here all the time and I'm like well I've, I've never seen you <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know in six years so it just uh, when I'm photographing the hill I always think of like what's happening when I'm not here photographing it you know right. there's tons of moments that I'm missing and I'm just capturing the ones that I, I, I'm seeing you know so it's, it's pretty amazing to think of that so um, yeah cool yeah, well, that's awesome. And um, I know that that hill has become kind of a staple on your Instagram and just kind of in your portfolio and in your work. I mean, you just it pops up all the time and it's sort of taken on a life of its own. And I'm always excited to see what happens because, again, I live really close to it, too. And so I can go over there and I've 
taken pictures there myself, but I always feel like this is Paul's Hill. Like you can't, you can take pictures of it, but I mean, you've re- it's really cool. I mean, you've really done it to the point where it's like, I, I truly associate it with you and your work. And it's, it's just an awesome thing. I mean, there's, there's so many things that like you could associate with someone's work and have this hill that like kids go to, to play on and like families go to, to hang out. And like, you know, just people love to go up and there's this beautiful view of Chicago from it. If you're ever in Chicago and you have the chance and you're up, um, it, where's it over at uh, cricket it's Hill? On, it's, on f- it's, it's basically like Montrose Harbor. Okay. Right. Park. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's always interesting now that people, um, so now things with Instagram and hashtags, they use like people will visit it. Um, or people, you know, when they're visiting Chicago, like locals will visit it. But when people are visiting outside, outside, like from out of the, out of town, um, they're also visiting it and using the hashtag. So it's kind of like, uh, a baby monitor essentially (laughs) yeah Uh, you can be like oh my god something amazing is going on there right now i'm gonna head over there really quick and and capture it and document it totally 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 that's awesome yeah so okay so from connecticut originally um now you're in chicago um i'm curious to know how much uh your hometown plays into what you do today or if it does at all and kind of how um like where you're from um you know, has impacted you. And, and also I know I, I was reading an interview with you and, um, you and I have talked before, um, about this and I was kind of asking you about just people who haven't, you know, influenced you and everything. And you were really adamant that your parents were really kind of like the key, um, kind of, you know, inspiration in your life. And, and I always appreciate that. I mean, I think it's a, a really good, cool, honest answer, but I'd love to know more about what your parents have, uh, what kind of what they do if they're artistic and have they played a role in your um, photography career so far? And yeah, so um, my mom, Agatha, um, she, uh, you know, it's so funny. Like being a kid, we would have these like projects, whether it be you know everyone has science fair projects and stuff like that, and my mom would just go the absolute distance of like creating these dioramas or creating these science projects. It was absolutely insane. Um, so, uh, yeah, her, with her, I would always have this artistic ability. Like my grand, like, so my grandma was a seamstress and, um, and like, you know, she was a kind she was from Jamaica. So she was the woman that would like create, like she had like eight kids. She created all their wedding dresses. It was like insane. And she was a, she could draw, she could do everything. She can do it all basically. Um, so my mom got that from her mom. And then I got it from my mom, the ability to draw and ability to just create something out of nothing. So do you, um, so do you draw much yourself then now? You know, I used to, but not so much. Like, mm-hmm. um, like in, in like middle school, I was in high school, I did so much of the arts, um, whether it was drawing or music. Um, I, I was in traveling choir. Um, <laughs> you know, but it's those arts. places where you kind of find your creative footing, right? Totally. Yeah, totally. Like, um, like I remember, like, uh, so I majored in graphic design in college and in high school, I would make, I would design t-shirts, but I would design all the t-shirts in word art. But I would do it in such a way where I would break up the clip art and make my own clip. It was just like insane. I remember going to college. First off, going to like the fair to go to college. Like you don't know what you want to major in. Right. Right. So I remember seeing like, oh, there's something that has computers and art. I'm like, oh, that's graphic design. Okay, this is awesome. I didn't know there was something that called graphic design. And I, I went to college and I remember my first day showing my professor like, oh, this is stuff I did. And then finding out I couldn't use clip art. That was the most devastating day <laughs> of my life. You found out that like, all you'd been doing so far was a heinous crime <laughs> against humanity. Was that kind of the I, vibe? I, of I, I, I really I realized that we have we actually create the clip art. You know, we just don't use it. We create it. So that was uh, uh, that day. I remember that day. <laughs> Um, but, um, so yeah, so, um, basically from, I re- yeah, so my mom, you know, we, she always create things. I remember one day coming home from, uh, middle school and my mom was, had Brillo in one hand and a glass ornament and she was just Brilloing the, um, the, basically the enamel off the glass ornament to make it clear so she could put her baby pictures in it. So I was just like, this is so wild. You know, she would just do that kind of stuff. And that creativity just sparks my creativity. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then you have my dad, who we have the same name and the same birthday. 
Uh, same birthday. Same birthday. Wow, that's now I have the same name as my dad, but I feel like the birthday would have really put that over the top. Yeah, that has put it over the top, and it's also gotten me out of jury duty, which is <laughs> dude, that's amazing because it did for me too. That's I love to hear that. <laughs> so I guess to anybody out there who's got the same name as their their mother or father, go ahead and and worm your yeah, way out of jury, jury out of jury duty with that because it's been awesome, and I'm probably gonna have to go to jury duty now after saying this, but <laughs> um, <laughs> it's been awesome. So my dad, uh, my dad's a chauffeur. Uh, in New York City. Um, and uh, he is just, he's just an absolute people person. Um, and uh, yeah, he like, but he's a people person without knowing pop culture. So like he'll drive celebrities or I remember being in high school and he drove the uh, the women of Moulin Rouge, which have like Christina Aguilera and Pink. And like, <laughs> I remember like, he was like trying to explain to us like these women he drove and they're really sure but they were really famous. And then we were like, where'd you drive them to? He's like, oh, I drove them to the MTV Awards. We're like, wait, what? You know, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah, that was, it was wild. Um, my dad is just like, he's just, he just, he, he's also something, some person that can make something out of nothing, you know, like. Right. Um, if if a if a picture needs to be put up and we don't have nails, he'll figure out a way to get it up sure. on the wall. You know, he's that kind of guy. So, right, right. Um, yeah. Uh, so I guess for me, my work always translates into that because, I mean, I didn't know how to use uh, professional photography lights for a long time, and people would look at my work and they'd be like, "Well, how did you actually light this?" And I would be like, "Well, I went to Home Depot." and got lights, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, lights. it's amazing. I mean, the, the things that you can do with simple tools. And I think people are, are always so, um, sort of obsessed with the tools. Uh, you know, I've, I kind of something that always has struck me and, and, and everything is how many people, um, will ask about the tools and as if that, that, you know, as if that's responsible for the end result when really it's the person who's using those tools. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's you taking those lights from Home Depot and doing something creative with it. It has nothing to do with that. You spent, you know, two grand on like professional lights from some photography place. <laughs> like, yeah, and I think totally. people are always so taken aback by that because and it I makes think, them sort of surprised. And I think the only way reason I, I got, I call them my big boy lights is because, um, you know, like when you're going on, when you're going on these big jobs, you know, you sometimes you do, you want to look, you know, professional. Yeah, right. You some, want to look the part and aspects, earn your paycheck. You know, you wanna, you know yeah, you want to fake it till you make it. Um, uh, and, you know, so I think that's when I start using lights. Or the other the other side of it was like, um, uh, I, I would, I would only sometimes use, I wouldn't use the lights because I would always use, um, uh, natural light you know mm-hmm. um and then uh once the light went once the sun went down i'd be like well i can't photograph anymore um so that was another reason with getting my big boy lights you know right. photographing at night or something like that yeah so, uh, or on location somewhere that you don't um you know you can't uh plug anything in right so yeah 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 so it's, it's always been like that for me it's always been experimental so what's been so with experimental and everything so you went to school for graphic design but you are now known as a photographer. But what's yeah. interesting with your work is that there's so much uh, design in it um, because a lot of the stuff that you do is candid, like the hill stuff, but then a lot of what you do is completely 100% fabricated. And I mean that in the most, in the most complimentary way. A lot of the sort of like little scenes that you build uh, in your home, uh, you know, like the clouds and, and, you know, a plane or shadows on the wall and all that kind of stuff. So it's really fascinating because I can see the connection from kind of almost a graphic designer and sort of laying out the composition of something yourself in almost this graphical way uh, that most photographers kind of see in a more holistic way. You kind of piece these scenes together. So um, what is that? I mean, where did, when did you start doing that? When did you feel kind of... Um, like that struck you as something that you enjoyed doing where you create these scenes in your home and you found it was something that you really loved to do. And, um, and- it, it, well, yeah, it totally stems from the design. Um, it's very conceptual. Um, and, uh, I started doing that like, uh, when I first bought a camera, um, like, I don't know if you used, if, I don't think you ever did this, but like, remember when Flickr was in its heyday, I, um, they had like the 365, 
you know, photographing yourself every day for a year. Right. Um, so I remember starting that and I didn't finish it. But what it gave me was like to one, create an image, create a project, just, you know, take time once a day and just photograph and um, just make it as better as the next, you know, so make it better than the last day. Mm -hmm. um, and I would just push myself to the point where I would just like, how can I make the self-portrait amazing? Also, I hated photographing myself. So I hated photos of myself. So it also gave me like, oh, how can I actually take a photo? You know, like, how can I get better of like liking photos of myself? Right. So, um, so just like, I would just make these really, really conceptual, just crazy self-portraits um and that's how the the puffing clouds um the stuff with shadows and mm -hmm. cotton that's how that started so um i basically the how can i say it i basically like doing things in sets now so um where i photograph something and i don't know how it's going to turn out and then i the next day or the next week or the next month i go back to it and i'm like try how can i make it better and then all of a sudden it becomes a set where um, a series uh, just of me experimenting throughout that whole process of that one object, just playing with it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how that's how those really start for me. And they end up being a large part of my work. So it's always like um, it's always a learning process throughout that that whole series. Um, and I never stop. My series are never done because I never know when I'm going to go back to it. And does some of those series include like, uh, you know, just anything that you do in your home or in your studio that is, uh, I mean, you see, so you're saying you look at all your work as a series, though, not just that stuff. Like everything yeah, is kind totally. of in these like yeah, little chapters. Yeah, ex exactly. Everything's like a series because I, one, I never want to say goodbye to it. Um, and, uh, to like the puffing clouds, I just recently started playing around with it this year. And again, and I stopped playing. I didn't touch it for three years. Um, so it's just it was just fun to see like how my eye has changed, how my skills have changed, uh -huh. um, just on that one project. And sure. it's uh, and I love seeing it evolve. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. And I think there's so much to be said about experimentation and having a reason, like you said, with the self portrait to sort of get over yourself a little bit, figure out how to feel good about doing that and learning how much fun and, you know, like just how creative and everything you feel through doing that, you know, just by having simply gotten over sort of this like hatred of doing, of doing something and eventually totally. becomes something that's like its own entire sort of like thread throughout all of your work. And that's, a, I don't know, that's just one of my favorite kinds of things to hear about. Um, I think that's great. Yeah. And the only way I've got better totally was from experimentation and finding my voice. Um, with uh, photography because you know at the end of the day everyone can have the same device and everyone because cameras are getting so good right now like they're it's insane how how technology has just taken over and just made these devices amazing the quality right so like i tell people you know like you know everyone's gonna be able to take a pretty picture but the only thing you can hold on to are your ideas and it's seriously like your ideas are worth so much now more than ever um so uh yeah yeah it's, it's actually it's so wild it's so wild yeah it's it's unbelievable how good i mean to get cameras or tools in general and just the the ability to even learn photoshop that that's something that's so easy i mean to learn anything really i mean it's easier than ever to teach yourself and to learn uh whether it's hardware or software or some sort of technique but um, you know, there's still really basic things like you, it's, it's, it's not any easier now. I, I don't feel like to maybe, you know, for example, learn how to be a good, you know, life drawer or how to actually take a, a photo that at the end of the day really is composed well without leaning on a filter or uh, on something like that. So eventually at the end of the day, it's, it really is about developing all that stuff on your own, not having to lean on that stuff. Um, I agree. So, so when you, I mean, what, was there a certain, um, a certain time because you were doing graphic design stuff and now you're obviously with photography. So at some point there had to have been sort of a, you know, handing off of your interests from sort of the graphic design stuff to the photography. And do you remember a certain moment or a certain photo or a certain series of photos or even just a camera maybe that like you felt in your hands that just was like, Whoa, this is like, I'm just, I'm finding myself right now where you kind of had a moment. No, for me it was mostly, um, because, uh, so right after threadless, it was like a, a moment where I was, as I said before, I could go home, 
or I could like try this photography thing out. You know what I mean? So um, I just started creating work. Um, I remember being on unemployment and thinking, all right, well, I don't know how long this is going to last. So, uh, you, you know, I took it like someone gave me a grant to make stuff, cool stuff, make something awesome. <laughs> so I remember just like just creating so much work, just like just experimenting, creating so much stuff and putting it on the Internet. Yeah. And that's when people would see my things and spread it and blog about it. And it was like, oh, OK, this is awesome. People like my stuff. Sweet. Let's do this. Uh, and that's when it started. Do you remember the first time that you started really like getting some real good positive attention for your work? And like, I mean, did you find that on the internet or did you find that in a, in a real life situation in like a gallery setting or anything where, I mean, with your photography kind of in its current form that people would know it by and go see your most recent work, I guess, um, you know, was there a time where you really started feeling like some really p real positive attention that made you feel like, wow, I'm like definitely going to continue doing this stuff because it it's really a great feeling that, you know, people are responding positively to it. Yeah, I think the first time was um, reading um, Swiss Myths mm -hmm. uh, did a blog post on me. And uh, I love Tina over at Swiss Myths. Um, and the thing about her is that's awesome is she like that blog it, it, it's, you know, it's about designers. It's, you know, it's graph design. And, um, it, te so for me, it teetered that line of what I was doing, you know, graph design and photography. Right. And right. for me to be on that blog, you know, as a photographer, um, not nothing about my design background, designers got what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So it also was like, Oh man, this is awesome. So I, I do have an audience of some sort. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, you know, it was really, it was really, my audience was really tiny, you mm -hmm. know, back then. It's funny. So it was like, and it's funny. Cause I mean, like she obviously noticed the same thing that it took me all of two seconds, you know, after you're talking about where you're coming from here to gather that you can kind of see a designer's eye in your photos. Yeah, totally. And, and, uh, and like her stuff is just amazing. So, um, and her aesthetic. So, um, so yeah, that was like the first time. And I think that was, I think she put the Hill series or the book numbers, uh, that I like these, I just, I have lots of books on my own. Um, and I just, they're stacked by color and I stack them into numbers sometimes, which is really funny mm -hmm. uh, to me anyways. Uh, and, uh, uh, yeah. And I think she posted that. So that was also, you know, so conceptual, uh, the colors are so vibrant and, um, people gravitated towards that. So, um, yeah, that was like around the first time when I started again. I was like, okay, yeah, I can do this. This is really cool. Let's yeah. see what happens. Yeah. So obviously Instagram now plays a huge part in your life and your work and everything. And you've gained a really awesome following on there and, and um, you know, just have just such a wonderful outlet with that. Um, and I think that people are really drawn to the work that you do. And, and that, again, just Instagram is, it's just amazing how these platforms now um, I, I sometimes wonder if even the guys who started Instagram, you know, or started Twitter or whatever thought that they would become their own sort of vehicles for people to really like help launch careers. Really. I mean, you know, and have it's them insane. be, yeah. it, it's really crazy. I remember, um, uh, you know, like when I was in the infancy of my career being a photographer, um, I would always try to, uh, submit to Threadless. And to me, those illustrators were like rock stars, you know, like when people were just making, like they were making bank and they were making t-shirts, they were making art and you're just like, man, I can't win these competitions. It sucks. <laughs> they can't print photos on t-shirts yet. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, they now they can, they, but I they mean. couldn't, but now they can, you know, uh, and, but they couldn't then. So I, re I remember wishing like, I hope something comes out for me that I will excel at it. You know what I mean? A website or something and have my voice heard on the internet. And then, um, yeah, and then like Flickr came along and it started, you know, it started getting to that. And I'm like, okay, yeah, people are seeing my stuff. And then um, there was like a lull for a little bit, you know, right after Flickr. And then Instagram came and it was just amazing. You know, there's just people that are just there. They like your work. And then, you know, brands are reaching out to you and you get to do cool assignments. And it's just, it's just been so wild. It's been, it's been a blessing, which has been awesome. Yeah. Now, how many people do you count now? And you don't have to obviously give me like an exact <laughs> number, but how many people do you count now that you've actually met in real life and you would consider to be, you know, real actual friends of yours just simply because of Instagram and you met them somehow, you know, through that 
platform. Oh God, so many. I don't even know. You know, like for me. So needless to say, it's been a big like. It's, it's carried it's really over. It's not number. just an internet thing. And um, like I was uh, I was I was uh, going through the Renegade. Have you been to the Renegade Craft Fair? Yeah, actually, uh, I think we, you and I met for the very first time there. Like it was like years ago, but I think you were with a handful of people that I knew, and we briefly said hello. I think. Well, I went to the Renegade Craft Fair yesterday for like the they have one in the in the winter for Christmas. Right, right. Um, and I had the weirdest thing happen to me there, where, um, you know, I guess now you know, like when you think of it, five hundred thousand people following you—that's really a crazy number. But you really don't know how to conceptualize that. Like for me, I don't know. Like I, I see the number, and I'm like, oh, that's that's a lot of people. To follow, to follow you yeah. when I you know, like a photo of my my hot dog that I posted or something like that. So um, when uh, I'm walking through the Renegade Crafts Fair and you hear people whispering like, oh, I think that's Paul Octavius. Oh, I think. <laughs> but they don't walk up to you. You know, that might have happened like 10 times yesterday. And it was just the weirdest experience because um, to to have like it's just so it's just so weird it's like you're not a celebrity you're like an item not a celebrity whatsoever but you're in a small community of people that know who you are but not small though on instagram when that's i think that's the funny thing is there's never really been something quite like this where um like there is almost this sort of celebrity status but it just exists in this little kind of yeah. well i don't want to say little but i mean in the scheme of i guess you know when you're out and the about internet, it feels little yeah. it's just an app on your phone but when you really think about that how many people follow you i mean it shouldn't be that surprising you know but people always just weird to go up to somebody i guess and just be like oh are you Paul? you know i mean and actually like yeah, make it no, a thing totally. but <laughs> yeah, but still you know it's just the sort of thing where it's it, it, it that just goes to show just how big it and how big of a thing it's become that people yeah, can see totally. you out and about and and spot you That's, that's the wild thing. So yeah, it's it's a, it's a little weird, but it's also humbling, you know, when people do come up to you and they just like fanboy out and they just like start talking about some work you even forgot you made. But um, but it's it's been really it's been really a great great thing. Yeah, um, so. and there's rarely a way to respond to that stuff where you don't come off as awkward. Like you can't just be thank you. You know, I mean, you can do that, but it's always disarming. You know, if somebody says something to you, just kind of like out of nowhere and everything, and and that can be weird. But um, you know, it is what it is, and and that's sort of like where you find yourself now. I mean, especially if people you know know how you what you look like through your Instagram, and it's not like you're just posting photos of your your work. It's you know you show up and everything. So obviously, eventually, people, especially in a city like Chicago, I mean, if there's a sort of art related event and you go to it there's chances are there's going to be like a lot of people who already follow you, like-minded types of people that are going to be there. Yeah. And you, you don't know, you don't realize how much of a impact you have on like certain things. Like, uh, when I was in New York earlier this year, I went to this, uh, event called, uh, event of a thread, which was this amazing, like our installation inside the armory in New York, which like dealt with swings and, large this large curtain moving because of the swings moving and it was just absolutely amazing and i remember going to this uh this art exhibit one day and like instagramming it um and then i went a week later and tons of people were there and they walked up to me and they're like hey i'm only here because you posted this last week and you're just like wow like that's insane yeah um so yeah it's really it's really yeah once again it's really humbling and um yeah, you, you know, like, I don't don't take it for granted because, once again, like, you don't know how long social this social network's going to be around. I mean, social networks move. So technology, social networks move constantly, so fast. Like, what's the next thing? So you just, like, just enjoy the ride and see what happens. Right, you know? yeah. And it's best when you don't think about it too much and you just kind of yeah, see it totally. for what it is, be thankful for it, and... And just keep doing your thing. I think it's as soon as you become almost too self-aware of that and play into the fact that people are following you and especially that number of people. I mean, you know, you're just about at 500,000 followers. I mean, that's an awful lot of people. And even if you take out the people who don't check it that much, like, I mean, even in worst case scenario, there's a lot of people right there. And, and then it's just interesting how you can then translate that into having them find you in other places, whether it's a gallery setting or your portfolio, or maybe a client finds you through that or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I guess you just have to 
see it for what it is and just enjoy the ride like you said and i think totally enjoy the ride and don't don't it doesn't matter what you don't like care about what you post too much you know if i want to post like a really nice photo i'll post a really nice photo but if i want to post like me and my friends dancing in target i'm gonna post me and my friends <laughs> dancing in target well and one of my <laughs> favorite pictures that you've posted and i'm looking at it right now is the one of you facetiming with your dad after your parents received a surprise package of halloween costumes and uh you gave him a batman mask and so there's this uh, FaceTime screen grab of you and your dad FaceTiming and he's got this Batman mask on and I, and I think that's great. I mean, I, I just think there's a lot of people who would get to the point where they're like, oh, all these people expect me to post art photos and you're like, no, like yeah. that's not oh, that's not who I am and I'm going to share whatever I want and if you don't want to follow me, go ahead and follow me. God, my dad loved that Batman mask, by the way. <laughs> and my dad never dresses up for Halloween. So for him to, I don't, I don't, I guess no one has ever given my dad a costume or he's never gone out for Halloween. So when he received that, he was so like, he was like, I can't, but I love it. I love this. I love it. I absolutely love it. So, and I was like, wow, I'll send you more costumes. That's awesome. All right. <laughs> um, so I want to ask you about one specific series because I think there's, I actually one of yours that I bought a print of a while ago and I just really love it. And that's the record series. Um, yes. And basically what these are, and you know, what's funny by the way about doing like a podcast like this in most settings, I feel like I can, you know, just take my phone out and show somebody what it is you're talking about in a conversation, but like having to describe work that's visual. And when you just talk about it is a funny thing. So um, close caption. It really is. But it's, <laughs> but at the same time, I think that's, I think that's, what's great. It gets, you know, kind of get the story behind a little more and then you get that reference and you go look at it later. But anyways, the, um, the whole concept of this series that I wanted to ask about is called grandpa's records. And essentially you took long exposures of your grandfather's, uh, record spinning and um, the one, I think it's the print that I bought. It's um, the record is the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory 1971 soundtrack. And it's just this gorgeous black, like outer sort of border of the record. And then it's spinning. And so there's motion and the color from the label is, is spinning along with it. And it's just such a, so elegant and so simple. Um, and I just, I want to know, I just want to know all about like how that came about and like just sort of just about that whole series. This is such a great series. It was kind of Thank one of those so like, much, oh, I man. wish I had, I, I wish I had done that exact thing. Cause it's I, a different I, result. You, every record. You, you, you know what? It was funny. Um, uh, I, so I've always, I, I got my grandpa's records from like, um, I've always wanted a record player and I never had a record player. Like when I moved to Chicago and I took my grandpa's records, um, from back from Connecticut and I brought them to Chicago and they were just laying around. And then uh, one day I went to the thrift shop and I found um, a record player, but it was a Fisher Price record player. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, awesome. This, maybe it works, you know? And, um, and then I didn't use it for like weeks. I didn't use it for weeks. And then um, one day I was moving stuff around. I was like, oh, this is cool. And then I, I saw my record player. I saw the records. I was like, oh, let me see if they work. And I was like, oh, let me photograph them. And I photographed it. And I was like, let me just see if, if I could take a long exposure of it. And then this was this was the result. Mm. And I was like, holy, holy shit. Yeah. Like this can work. And so this can work just, on so many levels. Like with any record on, you put on, you get a different thing. And not only that, as like the timing also, you get a different image. Like if you keep it for a second or if you keep it for uh, you know, a fifth of a second, like you get different different results. Right. Um so uh yeah that's that's how it happened and like my grandpa we had he had taught so many records like so many different genres um i remember he would keep like he would keep sesame street country around for the kids you know what i mean it was just like so you know we'll listen to like um we'll listen to the beatles or diana ross or Another one that he had was Goldfinger, the original soundtrack. Oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> and then and or we'll listen to Sesame Street Country. So, uh, yeah, it was it was pretty amazing. Um, he was a great he was a great man. And he also was a photographer. Hmm. Um, I have a lot of his cameras uh, in my possession um, that I can't, you know, you can't find film for them anymore. Yeah. But yeah. It's, uh, they're just good to have. That's so you know? cool. Yeah. So, th so he was a photographer and obviously like had a huge impact on on your life and and I just you know with your parents and everything I mean that's just you know it's such a cool thing and it's such like you said before I mean it's such like a blessing to have like a family that surrounds you that's just so supportive and and um you don't find that every day you know and and because you live 
your passion and the fact that they are all so supportive and so involved in everything. Uh, you can feel kind of the soul of that, you know, the stuff you like you called that series grandpa's records and, and you look at it and there's so much story in it, even though it's just such a simple, um, simply composed photograph. There's so it's, it's so loaded with meaning and, and everything and history and stuff. And, and, um, that's, yeah, that's really cool. And so, so then you actually, like you said before, do you not ever look at a series as having ended? So do you look at that series as an ongoing thing that you will never like wrap up? Oh my God. Yeah. Like I, I hope to do, um, like, uh, like add on to the series. Like I was talking to Jeffrey, um, one of our friends, Jeffrey, and he was like, you need to do a metal series. Of oh just, like, man. Metal bands, you know? <laughs> Please. Like, yeah. You know? For- <laughs> <laughs> do it for me and Jeffrey and for uh, John Contino, who I just had on as on the first episode of the show. Um, I know the three of us will be first in line buying buying those ones. So. I was like, so and someone else was like, do like you know like um, like old school rap albums, or um, I was just gonna do like a, just a Beatles series, you know, Beatles albums. So, yeah, yeah. So there's so much to go on from it. It's just once again, it's just like a you know when you have when you have all these ideas, as you know, it's just like time. Yeah. You know, time's the only thing that's against you or just finding time to do it. And, uh, yeah, that's basically it. So yeah, I do want to add to the series. So that's, that's on the list for 2014. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as far as time goes and as far as personal projects go and, and how they play into your time, um, you've obviously now gone from doing both, you know, just doing a lot of personal work when you first started and now you're working with a lot of clients and you do a lot of stuff on a commercial level. Um, and when did that really kind of get started? Um, when, you know, what was kind of like, what was one of your very first commercial projects? And, um, um my, oh, go, sorry. no, no, no. I was, I was trying to think of if I wanted to ask my, my second question to that, but yeah, what was kind of like your first commercial project? And then we'll kind of go from there. My first commercial project was for McDonald's. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. One of one of mine too. That's it's amazing. Was it? Yeah. Was it, yeah. <laughs> was it in Chicago here? Was it like no, a, it was. Um, it was. Uh, it was in. It was in LA. What did you do for McDonald's? I did a thing with them for uh, Digital Kitchen, which is a motion uh, yeah. like kind of graphics agency here in Chicago, and they do a lot of commercial stuff. And I basically did all these illustrations um, that they then animated into the commercial, and it was for. Um, it was for the uh, uh, the breakfast sandwiches. Um, why am I for totally forgetting the names? Like the sweet ones. It's like the oh, the McGriddles. McGriddles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was so for McGriddles. Forget that. Yeah, I don't know. I had, I still can't even think of the song. I could have just played the song out of my head. But yeah, that was mine. Well, <laughs> which what was your McDonald's project? Uh, so mine was um, for Hacer. Hacer is like um, the um, Hispanic uh, division of McDonald's, and Hacer gives uh, McDonald's gives away a hundred thousand dollars scholarship to a Hispanic student. So um, basically, I had to spell out uh, a quote by this kid that he had in his winning essay, and I had to spell it out of objects. So we like hoisted a camera 18 feet. My friend Ryan Schutte, we collabed on this. Um, we hoisted a camera 18 feet up in the air, and we shot the camera straight down, and we spelled like this huge, this huge like quote by this kid. Um, so it was uh, the thing that sucked about the job was I got food poisoning oh the morning of the shoot. Not from McDonald's. <laughs> I was gonna I say you want to keep your just say not from McDonald's, <laughs> but from a fish from a fish taco. Oh, okay. Again. I've gotten sick from a fish taco like twice. It's horrible, yeah. but I still like them. Um, yeah, it was horrible. Like so that more that whole day, I was like moping around, and thank God I had Ryan there to uh, you know he was my we were he's my second shooter. You know he was there, so he just like basically kind of took over. But it was already set up. So yeah, that was my first project. And it, that That's was quite that the was like, way to break nice, into your first commercial projects, being food poisoning and in LA and away from home. <laughs> such a nightmare. Such a nightmare. How old were you for that one? Uh, I was, I it was just, I was just 23. Yeah. I think, you know, and, uh, yeah, it was, and that was also like fake it till you make it. I remember being on the phone call. And just like, yep, yep, that budget's great. Yep, yep. Yeah. And I remember a small budget to them was like the most money I've ever heard of in my life. Oh, dude. You know? Yeah. I mean, and what's amazing when you're that young and you're just getting started. I mean, maybe not in 2013, but I mean, you know, just like even just a couple of years ago, I feel like people are way more transparent now. I mean, even the fact that we're talking about this now. 
But like, yeah, I mean, when you're 22, 23, I mean, mean, that's thousands of dollars is just like, I mean, might as well be a million dollars, you know, let alone if it goes into five figures, then just, I I, mean, (laughs) forget about it. I mean, it still happens now, you know, when you have clients and they're like, oh, yeah, and they mention the number and you're just like, that is so large of a number, <laughs> but you know, but you're, but they're, but they're, but you're like, and you know, after you think of it, you know, there's tons of people working on this project and you're like, okay, well, yeah, that makes sense. But still uh, big, big companies, you know, there is money out there to get these jobs and do cool stuff. So um, when you can get it, you get it. But uh, yeah, it's just so, it's just so interesting. The whole commercial world. It's so interesting. Yeah. So, um, so, so that was one of your first ones and you were 23 and did yeah. that one seem to impact more? Did it sort of start to steamroll and no, sort of snowball? No, it didn't steamroll at all. There was such, a, there was such, like, I remember like for a year, like I was doing, I was doing like small projects, but that was like the biggest project I did. And then I didn't hear anything for a while. So that's when I was just creating my own work again. Um, uh, just, just making projects. Yeah. And then, um, I got called my next job after that was a job for new balance. Um, just going up to the factories in Maine and documenting. So, um, uh, yeah. So, and then it started steamrolling from then, but yeah, it took a while, but in, in that while I was still just creating my own work and, uh, just still finding my voice. Yeah. And so creating your own work then obviously, um, plays a big part into clients finding you and, and they start to ask for more of the stuff that you're doing personally. And then you get to start doing more of the stuff that you actually want to do, which is nice. And actually, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, as someone who supports themselves with their own work, you, you know, you kind of fear not being busy with client work, but it's those lulls in client work that really push you forward with, you know, client work in the future and your own creativity in the future because that's kind of those are the chunks of time that you have to yourself to sort of experiment find new things to do people are attracted to those things and hopefully hire you to do those things totally and it's like you know it gets to the point where you know it's 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 fun to work on someone else's dreams but the best part is working on your own dreams you know what i mean like in the sense of like the personal projects or my own dreams and um and i really don't show client work on my website and the reason I don't is because I, I want to get hired on, on merit of things that I like to do. Mm-hmm. So I really rarely show my client work on, on my website. I just show projects that you know I've, I've come up with on my own, just to show my creativity or show what I can show my voice, and then um, then clients uh, hire me from there, yeah. which is yeah. which has been great. You right. know, that's just a, that's just a, one of the things I've used and it's worked. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And I know one of the other things that you recently did, and I thought this is probably one of my favorite things to hear. Um, you and I recently got together and had lunch and we we're talking about what we've been both working on and stuff. And one of your most highly visible um, kind of commercial endeavors to date was recently you were part of a sprint commercial that kind of featured you going out and about in Chicago. And, you know, it was just it's been everywhere and it was part of this big sprint campaign. And I asked what you thought of it and you had actually said you hadn't watched it yet, which is so funny to me because I'm sort of this like, you know, I get this ego thing going where it's not like, oh yeah, I can't wait to see myself. It's going to be so great, but I'm almost kind of fascinated to see it and be like, that's me. Like how weird. (laughs) And I was just like, man, you got to watch it. Go watch it, dude. You know, but you hear a lot of actors say that, you know, I never, I haven't watched that movie yet. And people are like, oh, it's amazing. Um, no. but what was that experience like? And have you watched it now? It's been about, uh, I have not watched it. <laughs> <laughs> we, you know, we should do a live thing. You should watch oh it right god. now. Oh my god, Chuck. No, no. <laughs> all right. <I> all right. Just... <laughs> no, you know, it's just funny. It's just weird. You know, as I said, it's just, you know, I watched part of it and it looked amazing in a sense of like, um, they were using like red epic cameras that um you know like these cameras are just fascinating um i remember just like staring in it but just wanting to touch it because it was uh, it was the most amazing um like from the footage i've seen from it uh, i was like oh i can't believe i'm gonna be in that footage um but uh, yeah i haven't watched it yeah um, so uh yeah it was that was interesting it's 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 one thing for someone to take a photo of you, but it's another thing for someone to take video of you. So with video, you see your mannerisms, you hear your voice. Um, I remember they took over. Um, so it, the shoot was over two days, 
And basically, it was me showing my version of Chicago, what I like to do, where I like to go, um, and me documenting it. Mm-hmm. So um, they they started in my home. So I remember the first day of shooting, or the second day of shooting, was in my home. And it was like, imagine 30 people in your house. Um, they're moving things around. Uh, on your front porch is uh, there are like eight studio chairs. There's a TV, and then on on your front lawn there's like um, craft services. <laughs> so I remember my roommate. How many like, people? Uh, like thirty people. There oh was my like god! 30, it was like thirty people. It was insane. And I remember my roommate woke up to all of us. Like he didn't. Like he knew. Like I told him, I was like, "Hey, man, <laughs> people are gonna come." <laughs> you gave him a very home. loose heads up. He wasn't picturing very, like the set of a very, you know big loose. budget movie. Yeah. I remember he got excited because it's like, yeah, there's burritos on the front lawn, breakfast burritos. He goes, you're the best roommate ever. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can imagine they were pretty excited <laughs> at that point. Yeah. But then, like, going downtown and, um, you know, we were, photogra- we we're filming where they filmed um, the funeral scene in Batman. Um, uh, and uh, so we're filming in this corridor. So people are always excited when movies are filming down there because they usually know it's like big budget movies, whether it's like Transformers or Batman. So now my production is down there. And I mean, people are just like, so people, there's tons of people just staring across the street. You know, they're just all stopped staring at me because they don't know who I am. Who is this guy holding up an iPhone? Is it the new iPhone? Like people are just like wondering what's going on. Uh, so it was really wild. <laughs> it was crazy. So then it finished up though. And people, you know, you, they, they filmed you around the city and then it actually aired on TV and stuff, right? Yeah. It yeah. aired on TV and, um, it wasn't it, just like an internet commercial thing that pops up before yeah. a YouTube video. So <laughs> it, it went on TV. Yeah. It went on TV and it was also like, um, you know, like, like when you're watching a show on ABC or something like that, or Hulu, and it's one of those commercials. Um, it was really wild to be a part of that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's also one thing to actually do work for a client. It's another thing to have a, a company that might typically hire you to do your photography to actually hire you to be featured in they're exactly. f- as kind of like the spokesman in a way. And it's actually not even about your work. It's about you. And that kind of like, it's a, it's a different kind of world to sort of find yourself in because it's not something you're immediately comfortable in. And it takes a, f- takes a few tries, I think, in, s- in situations like that to be like, all right, just play it cool. Like they like your work. <laughs> they dig you. Don't worry. It's all good. Just try and totally, act normal, of course, good. with 30 people around you. But as yeah, normal, 30 you people. I remember, <laughs> I remember out there, they're asking me questions about the service. And I remember like, oh, my God, like, what am I like, you know, it's like he, the client is here in your in your living room watching this, you know, it's just so it was just so surreal. Um, but the weirdest part was actually after it was all done going into a studio and re-recording voiceovers. And um, like, like I would always see it like I've always seen it on TV and never think I would actually be in the studio saying, now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. You know what I mean? So yeah. you're like, no, can you add a little accent on, you know, the, you're like, oh my God. Wait, do they want a Chicago, tell me they wanted like a Chicago accent. Oh God, no. Okay. I, yeah, I, damn no, it. Please. I was oh hoping God. that they wanted you to be like, you know, just real typical, like uh, pizza eating Chicago Bears guys kind of thing. And be like, Paul doesn't talk like that. Why did they record I, the voiceover like that? I wish I wish they had me. It would have been horrible. Absolutely horrible. <laughs> I wish I like John John Cantino's. Oh, I love his accent so yeah, much. Yeah, dude, it's a, I really wish that I had something. I didn't grow up enough like in Chicago to get any sort of a Chicago thing it's like so that. New York. But. It's so New York. It's like, this can't, this is real. This is this is like an amazing New York accent. Yeah, yeah. No, John is like a voice mascot for New York. Like, he really. I mean, it's so great. It really, and it's. I mean, it's just funny because I have a ton of family in New Jersey, and so we go out there, and it's kind of like it's not the same as a New York accent, but like, you know, just the the like going to get coffee and everything. Like my aunts all talk like that and everything. So I'm like, I always just kind of have this like little special place on my heart for that and so to actually have interviewed john or actually anytime i talk to john and i just get to hear that the whole time is just like it's just it's so pleasant <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so pleasant. It, it's like okay yeah yeah yeah. say this now say this 
say it. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I promise I won't do that to John. John, I won't <laughs> do it to you if I if I when I meet you. Because we've been friends. Like we, I feel like I've known John through like Yay Hooray and like uh, you know through the internet yeah, and me through too, Twitter man. and everything like that. So. Um, well, we yeah. need to do a little meetup. We'll uh, we'll get we'll get together because I actually haven't met John in person either. Oh, um, crazy! Yeah, and so I, you know, and that's another funny thing is that with the internet is like you know these people, and you know, obviously you and I now have met and hung out and stuff. But like, I mean, with John, like I feel like I know John, and I feel like I've you know, there's other people like him who I feel like I've known so well, but I've never spent any FaceTime with them in person at all. And I think it's such a funny thing to like suddenly one day actually meet people who you already know so much about. Eventually you see them and like, yeah, you have stuff to talk about, but like the ice has been broken for a long time. You know what I mean? It's been really broken. Yeah. I mean, they, they know, you know, it's, it's like when you meet people now and they're like, Oh yeah, you were just there. You were just, you just had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> you're like, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. That's weird, but it's it's awesome, you know. I'm like, great, hey, cool. Yeah, you know, it's just weird knowing knowing little habits of people that you've never met and then you meet them one day. Yeah. Well, I want to come. I want to come full circle with this conversation because I know we started talking a lot about. Now that we're talking about John with New York and everything, and again, just kind of coming back to Chicago, I just want to really quick go through and ask you a handful of Chicago specific questions just for sure. anybody who either lives in Chicago or anybody who would travel to Chicago um, just to get a Paul Octavius suggestion for a place. I feel like I, I'd rather go to a restaurant, even if it's like two and a half stars on Yelp or something. If a, t- if a friend tells me, screw that, just go there. I just trust me, that kind of thing, you know? So um, first off, uh, just favorite restaurants in Chicago. If, if someone was going to be here for one night, and they said money is not an issue. Where do you tell them to go? Um, I tell them to go to Longman and Eagle. Okay, That's good one. Absolutely. Love those guys. Yep. Um, Minufe restaurant uh, is a fat rice. Um, it's like this like awesome American Asian modern awesomeness. Um, it's just good. Just go there. You you understand when I get when you get there. Um, the best burger is Ashaval. Yes, uh, yes, yes. This is stupid. Uh, it's Dude, stupid it's a ridiculous burger. burger. The single is a double, right? Yeah, it That's, just, that, yeah. that always gets me. I'm like, oh, so, but, so what's on the double? Is it four patties? I don't know, but um, yeah, it's it's just so so amazing. It's my favorite. Yeah. Um, Okay, what about uh, cheap? You want to have lunch for five, six bucks? Where are you going? Let me see. Where are you going? Um, have you been to um, get tacos at um, oh uh, Car- 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 Carmela's, right? Carmela's, right around the corner from Green Mill. Yeah, I mean, you did a taco thing. I did, <laughs> yeah. So I'm a, just a little aside here. Grand Rapids, Michigan, and this is going to sound like a total. I'm going to lose a lot of people by saying this, but in my opinion and I, being biased, I guess, but like there is a place called San Jose Taqueria in Grand Rapids that I, I'm honestly would put in the running for like the best taco. And I have people in California or New York or Chicago or wherever laugh at that, but really it is a gem of a place. So I've been kind of on a hunt in Chicago for like the best tacos. I've been going to little divey taco places and stuff. And Carmela's was very good. Um, up, I think it was uh, Uptown Taqueria. Is that another one? I think that was really good too. Which one? Which Up, one? Uptown Taqueria, I want to say. Oh, uh, I don't know. Or Taqueria don't know. Uptown or something. I don't know. I think it's over on Lawrence, I want to say, over like kind of Ravenswoodish area. Was it good? It was very good. Yeah, the El Paso store was quite, quite good. Um, just a little cilantro and onion. That's it. You know? That's all you need. Yeah, that's dude, all that's you all you need. You don't want to load it up with too much. Um, Okay, so your favorite pic- Oh, I was going to ask your favorite place to take pictures. I assume that's Crooked Hill, but are there any other spots where if somebody wants a view of Chicago, you'd say go here? Um, yeah, I mean, great views of Chicago, North Beach. There's amazing views of Chicago. <clears throat> but one of my favorite places, especially in the winter, is um, Garfield Conservatory. Um, it's just this amazing greenhouse. It's been here since 1902. Um, last year or two years ago, it's so this, it's these beautiful greenhouses here in Chicago. They're massive. Um, they're made out of glass. Last year we had a bad hailstorm here in Chicago, and all the glass just broke. Wow! Um, it was crazy. That's it it crazy. hasn't it hasn't happened ever. You know, we haven't had a hailstorm like that, like in a hundred years um, or more than that. And all the glass, most of the glass broke. So Gee, it was man. closed for a while. Um, 
but it's like the fern room, the palm room in that place. It's just, it's just mind blowing. It's so green. It's unbelievable. And it's warm. So it's a great place to go and be warm in the winter here and, in Chicago. And say that again, that was Garfield conservatory. You're saying? Yep. Cool. Yeah. It's in Garfield park. Okay. Off the green line. Cool. Um, so your favorite, what's your favorite museum in Chicago? There's so many great museums, but if oh, you just man. could go to one, where are you going? If I had to go to one. I would go to, uh, the modern wing of the art Institute. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And they just recently redid a lot of it, right? Yeah. They just redid, they just, uh, built it like, I want to say three years ago. Uh, it just opened up. I mean, I love the MCA too. Uh, museum of contemporary art yeah. here in Chicago. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's so many museums that are like so small. Like there's a medical museum here in Chicago that just has medical devices, which like the craziest looking devices ever. Like there's so many museums. I think there's like over over 200 or 150 museums yeah. in Chicago. And I've only been to like four, you know, the big guys. Right, so right. Of course. I have to go to, I have to go to the tiny ones. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, let's... Um couple like little shout outs, I guess, who are some uh, Chicago artists and designers right now who are doing just excellent work and they don't even have to be artists and design photographers, people who are doing just interesting things, like maybe two or three people who off the top of your head are just like, just killing it right now. Mm, okay. I oh God, it's going to kill me. I forget his name. He does the, um, the beautiful campaign. You are beautiful campaign. Oh, okay. Oh, man. Yeah. I forget what his name is, but, um, I absolutely love his stuff. Uh, he has a couple of shows here in Chicago and it's fantastic. Um, I'll think of his name in a second. Uh, Chad Corey. I love Chad. Uh, do you know Chad Corey? I don't know. So Chad Corey, um, he's part of the post family. Um, he works over at land and sea, um, with, um, uh, those guys over there. And he just does lots of amazing collages. Um, and, yeah, I just love and, this. And stuff. Land and Sea, just so people know, is um, kind of operates like the Longman and Eagle and like or, uh, um, Parsons and stuff, and um, just kind of is like a collective, right? Um, of artists. Am I getting that uh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a collective of artists um, that work at Land and Sea. They make one, they make amazing art, and and then two, uh, they make they make amazing restaurants as yeah, well. Yeah, right, right. Um, actually, you are beautiful. Uh, that's Matthew Hoffman. Yes, Matthew Hoffman. Yeah. Sorry, Matthew Hoffman. Um, that's u-r-beautiful.com um, for, uh, if you haven't seen it. But yeah, that is the kind of thing that's like just absolutely everywhere um, or wherever you go. But yeah, there's some people doing really great things in Chicago, and it's just kind of cool to be able to, to sort of um, highlight those people. Um, and actually, I, I, I was thinking about this. Like You mentioned Jeffrey before, and that's actually Jeffrey Kalmakoff. Um, who is also really instrumental in my career and someone who I know has been um, with yours as well. And then Jake um, from Threadless and um, like all those Threadless guys are just the t are, are people who, um, you know, as someone like you worked at Threadless. I worked at Threadless when I was like very first starting out packing T-shirts, like when I was eight, you know, I was like 18, and like 19 years old. And and those guys have been so responsible for helping launch careers and helping get people's work out there and everything um, so I know that's something that we, uh, that you and I share is an appreciation. Do you remember for what was the, what was the, what was the talk you talked at with Threadless back in like 2005 in New York city? <clears throat> um, semi-permanent at the Lincoln center. So, yeah. So yeah. I remember, so that was the first time, like, cause I knew of you and I knew of Threadless cause I was fanboys of both of you guys. And I remember sitting near you guys and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm near Chuck. I'm near <laughs> no pattern. Yeah. And then I like, so fanboy out. I don't even think I told you this. I like stalked you. I like followed you guys to where you guys were going to eat lunch. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I was like, I don't think I've ever told anyone this story. I walked and I remember you guys went, I don't even know where you guys went. I, I have pictures from there. it, but I, I couldn't tell you the name of the place. I was yeah. gonna go in there and follow you and have lunch at at the bar. Just to, <laughs> it was so crazy. It was it was because it was like oh my god. I remember my mom like bought me a ticket to to this event and then bought me a hotel so I could stay for the whole thing. That's awesome. And I was like 
and I remember just like, and then now, now we're good friends. So <laughs> well, for, for talking. the record, that was the first time I ever spoke publicly anywhere. And in my, in my mind now I think back like, Oh, what a disaster. But for being like so young and raw, I guess it wasn't bad, but still it was just kind of one of those things where from my memory of it was like, why the, why the hell would you want to follow me after that? You did fantastic. You were like a pro. I was like, Oh geez. I'm never going to talk well, thank you. everyone. Oh man. Well, thank uh, you. I appreciate that that's a that's a, quite, that's a nice compliment to get um and then uh i guess any other chicago things that you'd want to kind of shout out i don't I, you know i could kind of go forever with like little specifics but if there's any other or anything else at all i just kind of give you a chance to if there's any um you know other things or whatever that you're really enjoying right now or, or whatever um kind of um, talk about Nothing right now. I mean, I'm enjoying Christmas music. I love the holiday. Yeah, you were just telling me Christmas music, man. You can't get enough of it. I'm already sick of it. It's like early December. I absolutely can't get enough of Christmas music. I mean, like, I I miss having a car and driving around and listening to, like, the Christmas radio station. Yeah. (laughs) Calling into Elizabeth Gates and just, like, telling their sad Christmas story. Um, But, uh, yeah, I just just love Christmas. I love the holidays. So, um yeah, that's all I do is listen to Christmas <laughs> throughout this time of um, But, um, yeah, no, like my favorite – one of my favorite places to go to in Chicago or to bring people to is this place called Uncle Fun. Um, it sounds so – it doesn't sound like what it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, please quickly explain. Uh, are you... <laughs> so, which, which is the best because whenever anyone's like, where are you taking this? I'm like, I'm taking you Uncle Fun. And they want to know. I'm like – don't Google it. Don't Google it. Just enjoy it. Um, so it's basically this like this joke shop that has tons of like like tiny like small things that are just like you know there's tons of drawers and you open them and it will have like little toy hamburgers or little it's just so it's random. And dude, it's I've seen that place. Is that the one with like a big f- face on the front, like a guy yeah, smiling? Yeah, yeah. Have you never been inside? I've never been inside, but I've driven past it and I was like, I wonder if this is the place he's talking about because it looks like a novelty joke store or like it's a magic a no- store or like something like that. It looks like it belongs in 1950, but it's just, it's just absolutely incredible. Oh. Uh, it's like a, yeah, it's walking into a, a, a time warp. Um, so uh, yeah, Uncle Fun. All please. right, Uncle Fun. <laughs> Go to oh, Uncle Fun when you're in Chicago for for a good time. We will call, call it Paul. He'll take you to Uncle <laughs> Uncle Fun. Well, that's awesome. Um, well, I uh, have really enjoyed talking with you, man. I, I know um, you know I've been really looking. For, you were one of the very first people I, I I told kind of about this whole project, and one of the first people I knew I wanted to talk to, and being a a fellow Chicagoan and, and uh, designer and artist and, and uh, photographer and everything. I knew we'd have a lot of cool stuff to talk about. And I uh, really enjoyed um, being able to ask you some questions. And And um, I hope a lot of people um, enjoyed uh, listening as well. And I know we'll definitely have you back on. And I'm hoping maybe we'll have you back on with John and we'll kind of do like a, maybe we'll get another New York person and then we can kind of like Please. argue the merits of both cities. Um but uh, yeah, just last, uh, just want to give you a chance to, if you, there's anything you want to promote or any, uh, you want to share your website or Instagram or anything like that, then the kind of platform is all yours. Yeah, totally. Um, so my website is just paulactavius.com and I, I just updated with uh, the latest things that I'm working on. And uh, my Instagram is just my, it's, Paul, it's at paulactavius once again, and it's just uh, my daily life and I hope you follow along and yeah, just uh, awesome. Yeah, I didn't even get a chance to ask you about the flag series. That's a whole other series. Oh, you God, have so many great series and series. stuff. That's my new favorite. That's my oh, that's like I was trying to think of like 2013. Like, what did I create yeah. this year? And then I was like, I don't think I created anything this year. You know, I did. <laughs> Clearly, did. Yeah. But um, that was one of my series that uh, I loved. I created this year. That it's just. I love it. Yeah, it's a great series. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, check out Paul Octavius's stuff. Um, and uh, Paul, thanks again, man. I really appreciate your time and, and talking. And and um, people, check your work out. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. We'll, we'll do another one of these soon for sure. Yeah, please. Thanks so much, Chuck. All right, man. Take care. Bye.